Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to episode 335 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... How are you doing? I'm uh, doing great. It's great to be back. It's lovely to have you back on. So uh, it's been a few weeks. What have you been up to? Well, I have been moving around the streaming services, and this time it's Shut Up with Seance, yes. which is a 2021 horror film. Right. It stars Suki Waterhouse, Ellen Ray Smith, Madison Beattie, and Inanna Sarkis. And it's set in a girls' boarding school, and it opens on a scary scary Halloween night and I think they're playing with the Ouija board and things happen and it's revealed that some of the girls are sort of scaring one of the you know not popular ones right but then somehow at the end of the night she ends up dead okay and it sort of moves on from there the school is sort of struggling to keep the parents happy and in comes a new girl that's played by Suki Waterhouse and she sort of immediately makes a bit of an impression we sort of follow one from there and it sort of goes back and forth and you're just sort of wondering is it supernatural or is it something a little bit more straightforward and it's a fun little teen horror mm-hmm. um Canadian made international cast you might remember Eddie Ray Smith from Into the Badlands ah right okay it's a fun little horror I've been trying a few Shudder things. There was one about a live exorcism on stream. That was quite fun. Interesting. Yeah, recommend it. If you're going to try the trial, definitely add that as one of the films to get through. Yeah, Shudder's got a uh, a, a seven-day free trial. So if you're into the horror, yeah. it's worth trying out. And the Shudder app is on like all the Samsung smart TVs and iPhones and Apple TV and Roku and Fire TV and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the app's all over the place. I don't know how much it is regularly but it's what 599 it's one of those sort of things isn't it I think nothing as well and they do have some good sort of exclusive stuff on Shudder as well don't they so yeah. being to your horror worth looking at definitely and the next one is Krakow Monsters and uh, that's pretty new just opened last week mm-hmm. it's on Netflix all eight episodes dropped to a full and as you might have guessed it's set in Poland and it follows this university student that has a very haunted past as you'll see from the first episode and she joins a mysterious professor and his group of gifted students who investigate paranormal activity and fight 
demons. Okay. So I've seen two episodes of it so far. Pretty gritty, pretty urban, lots of rain, lots of walking through the rain. Um, pretty scary. Not really with the jump scares, just quite disturbing stuff. Right. Um, it's very much demons and possibly angels, but it's too early for us to know we're definitely the demons. It's just this girl, your typical protagonist, loner, you know, I don't need anybody's help. And she's sort of trying slowly to be integrated into this happy-go-lucky group of, I guess, all like ghost hunters, but they know that obviously ghosts are real. Yeah. And yeah, so it's only two episodes, so eight episodes, I guess. So it'll sort of pick up by episode six, like all Netflix eight episode runs do. Yeah. So we'll just have to see. It looks interesting enough so far. It's Polish, isn't it, that? So yes, it is. Uh, how are you watching it? Subtitled or dubbed? Subtitled. Right. I might try a dub. Um, there was The School on Amazon Prime. That had a good dub. That had mostly British actors doing the voiceovers. Mm. And that was a show about paranormally conspiracy thriller show about a sort of like reform school yeah. um, in Spain. That's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, the Netflix dubs tend to be pretty well done, generally. They seem mm. to do a reasonable job with them. So Yeah, so if you like horror, like sort of gritty horror, definitely worth it. Um, I also pre-ordered and got Gran Turismo 7 uh-huh. um, on the PS4. Yes. I'll be honest, I've got to pay that much of it, but I, you can't really do a lot of the content until you pass your driver's licenses, <laughs> yeah. which are tests. Yes. Lots of time attacks that you do across various cars and tracks. Yeah. And so I've done Order B. I was working my way through A. It's very similar to the first one. It has that feel again. Obviously, it's updated in the ways it should. It has like little extra bits of content. I was mostly doing single player stuff because that's how I do. I like to get the licenses done quickly. So I don't have to worry about them again. Yes. I've been reading about the issues and the fact that they pulled the fast one. Microtransactions. Yes. Microtransactions and doubling the cost of everything Ooh. after the patch. So that you definitely need the microtransactions. Yeah, that is a shame. And it is a shame also that you can't really play it offline. Right. Which is a bit silly, but you yes. know, that's the way for the future. It's apparently got hammered on Metacritic. It's like yes. the lowest user scores on Metacritic in PlayStation exclusive history <laughs> due to the uh, microtransactions and the sort of pay to play system. So, yeah. If you're not a fan of microtransactions, that looks like one to avoid. But um, yeah, I mean, the reviews in terms of just reviewing the game have generally been very positive. The game is a lot of fun. But yeah, the Metacritic score apparently is absolutely in the toilet. So uh, yeah, this trend for microtransactions in games really annoys me. There seem to be a balance of... Now you've got some developers that are just going like, screw it, we're just going to do it. And the other side are kind of no way, no how, you know, they're, they're using it almost as a promotion of, look, we're not trying to rip you off. It's really weird. It is particularly strange because the previous proper Grand Tutor release got absolutely hammered for the exact same reason for that always online thing. Mm. So you'd assume that it's all would have learned on that, but unfortunately not, it seems. Yeah. Um, so it's up there again I mean I'll be dipping in and out I mean I used to play when it, yeah when I played the first one yeah you do sit there and you do throw six seven hours into it but obviously I'm working now full time so it won't be quite that easy so I'll just be dipping in and out of it but yeah it is a shame it's a very strange thing to do to a racing game especially yeah. on a simulator like that it's disappointing and there's a lot more competition as well for because I mean I played some of the early Gran Turismo games but I mean there's a lot of stuff yeah. out there now in terms of racing games no 
exactly what you mean. And it's also Forza. And Forza, this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. So far, what I've played, I've enjoyed, but I haven't really got into the thing. And I'm not really one to be racing online. Yeah. Um, Good game slightly ruined by greed for the sense yeah. of it, yes. Just a throwback. You know, I was talking about that live streaming exorcism. Yes. For those people who are interested, that's called The Cleansing Hour. Right, okay. So, yeah, and that's also on Shudder. So, just in case you want to go back and that's a pretty wild one. That's probably better than Seance. Well, Seance is okay, but that is pretty solid. Okay, cool. So, my last thing I want to talk about is Donkey Head. And Donkey Head follows Mona, a failed writer, because out a life of isolation while caring for her ailing Sikh father when he has a debilitating stroke her three successful siblings show up on a doorstep determined to take control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And this is written, directed, and starring Agam Dashi, who people might recognize from Sanctuary or an episode of Stargate SG-1. Wow, ah, man. And, yeah. and she's had quite a career, independent things, and she also appears in DMZ, which is just released. Right. On Max. I'll talk about this because we reviewed it for the site over at Hollywood North News, which you can catch. Right. And we all also have an interview with Ogham herself. I was lucky to sit down with her and talk oh, excellent. about films. You can also catch that. I just put up that article, my separated it into an article itself, and obviously it's on our YouTube. So yeah, it's an interesting. It's a, it's a story about all that immigrant experience. Sort of spoke to me, it's first generation. It's set in Regina in Canada, and it's interesting. It sort of pulls you in. It gets intense in places, but it's a lot of fun, and I would definitely recommend it as a watch. And you can catch it on Netflix. It's just right there. Just type in Donkey Head and off you go. Interesting. Yes, I do recognize Because when I reviewed her. it, it was just getting a limited cinematic release in Canada. Yeah, I, I do recognize her. Uh, she was she was born in Birmingham, randomly. Yes. Um, although uh, moved to Calgary at the age of 14, apparently. Yeah, we don't know about that. Yeah, she pops up in a number of things. She's been in the episodes of The Flash. She was in Arrow. Oh, yeah, forget, forget. Yeah, she was in Arrow, and you've seen her in Flash as Queen. Yes. The head of the Royal Flush Gang. Right, yes. Because yes, she's had like that. three episodes, I think, now, by now. Yeah, it looks like she played a different character in Arrow. Yeah, yeah just a different character in Arrow. Uh, and uh, Sanctuary, she played Kate Freelander in Sanctuary. And yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's cool. And it also stars Kim Coates, a very famous Canadian oh, actor. yes. Sons of Anarchy guy. Yes. yes. And Stephen Lobo, who you might recognise from Continuum, or Van Helsing, and he's pretty well known. Oh, yeah. Oh, and he's in Snowpiercer. You like Snowpiercer, don't you? Yes, and he's, I don't remember him being in Snowpiercer, but yes. Apparently he's in a few episodes. Yeah, he's one of those guys that pops up in those things and you mm-hmm. go, and go, oh, this is shot in Canada. Uh- <laughs> yeah, so you can go and find those on the site. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah. check it out. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to interview her. That's cool. For me, gaming-wise, still been playing around with Two Point Hospital. I've kind of put that down for a bit. There's a new, well, it's relatively recently released, I think, called Expeditions Rome, which has been really, really good fun. It's an interesting one because it, it's an RPG, but it's sort of a turn-based RPG set in Rome. You start off as sort of somebody who's fled Rome because somebody murdered your father and they're sort of afraid that you're going to be next and end up joining the Roseman Legion and sort of rising through the ranks. It's not first person, it's like a top-down sort of third-person thing. 
story is kind of interesting. There's a lot of Roman names getting kicked around and they're all something us or something X or, you know, so there's a lot of that going around. So it's a bit difficult keeping some people straight at every so often, but really nicely put together tactics in terms of the turn-based combat. I'm not massively into sort of combat games, but they've done a really nice job with this. It's sort of one of those things where it's turn-based, so it's not like fast-paced, it's not Twitch-based, you're not going to to deal with that. But there is quite a good story that's driving it along as you start off on a little island and then you're spreading yourself out as you're trying to conquer more areas of Rome and rising sort of up the ranks through the Roman legions, basically. Mm -hmm. Definitely one I would recommend. Elements of things like XCOM in there, I guess, in terms of that sort of being a story-based game. It's not quite as sort of combat-focused as something like XCOM, but XCOM, Wasteland, those sort of games, it's kind of a mixture of that sort of thing, that sort of RPG element to it, mixed in with combat. So, yeah, definitely one I would uh, certainly recommend. You get a bunch of different interesting companions that come along that you can kind of talk to and you can craft equipment and you can kind of build up your camp and all that sort of stuff. So it's got the crafting element bits to play around with as well. It came out in January, so it is relatively new. It is a full release game. It's up on Steam right now. I don't know what other platforms it's out on, but it's up on Steam. It's from THQ Nordic, who have good decent publisher as well and it's not an early release it is a full release worth the money certainly i think and uh, i mean you know what steam's like they have sales all the time so even if you don't want to pay full price for it i'm sure it will pop up on a sale at some point but uh, it's called expeditions rome so it does kind of give you the impression that they're probably doing expeditions something else at some point but uh, expeditions rome this one is certainly if you like those sort of roman settings it's it's definitely good fun to play through and got a solid story to it so uh, worth looking at on the tv side of things i have watched a couple of movies this week but uh just rounding off tv show stuff star trek picard back for its third episode have you been watching this i saw the first two episodes the first episode really dragged for me and i think they sort of stepped it up with the second episode and got a little bit more action i don't think he's spoiling things particularly because Q's involved, but it ends up with them going back in time. That becomes fairly apparent very early on. I think they ruined that in like first episode of Sizzle at the end, don't they? Yeah, they pretty much did. I'm pretty sure I saw that, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of where we go with the third episode. I actually be really enjoying it. I've seen mixed reactions, but after that, yeah, the I'm first, not feeling it so far. Yeah, the first episode I think really dragged. The second episode, I think they clawed it back a bit, and the third episode, I think, is working okay for me. You know, it's it's going all right. I know there was a mixed reaction to the first season, and I think they lost their way a bit towards the end of that i like the time travel stuff when it comes to star trek i find that kind of fun so i'm enjoying what they're doing with it so far discovery had its finale as well this week what did you think of that have you got to that yet yeah i I think this season of discovery is an improvement Mm -hmm. i think they've at least begun to take the notes that you need to look at the crew as a whole so at least we get like three stories we follow the doctor we follow the captain they're the main two 
good, obviously. We get Tilly's story, yeah. even though she disappears for half the season. Yes. But, yeah, so I guess maybe they took the memo, so we'll have to see if they keep it up next season. Yeah, they seem to be setting it up for them doing a bit more exploring. Yes, yeah. they've gone past the, yeah. Yeah, last season we were dealing with the time jump mm-hmm. and them trying to get the Federation back together. This season has been a bit more of that plus they've had this big threat to deal with you know so that is now done but they seem to be hinting towards them actually going back to the wider kind of exploring stuff that seemed to be where they're settled at the end of it now the sort of federations there and it's set up and it seems to be stable and running again they've managed to get ships working again so it's interesting that that's the direction they seem to have gone when they're also launching strange new worlds which Mm. is purely a show based around that but further back in the timeline so I do wonder whether there's maybe going to be some connection between the two yeah but is it though because Stranger World is surely going to just remix a lot of the things that we saw in the first Star Trek I think it's going to hit a lot of things it's just going to be an easter egg show basically well possibly there is that so I think that's what you'll see there Whereas I think with Discovery, I thought they painted themselves into for a while with that spore drive. But if they go exploring past the rim, it means they can't use it anymore because there's no mycelial network out there. Yeah. So, yeah, as I say, I think they've done good things. I think they've made changes, and that's all you can ask for in a show because it was just too much centered on Michael. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a fun story. I wasn't the best fan of it big Mirrorverse issue. But yes. But we'll just have to hold that for now. Yeah. I kind of agree with you that i was like oh god it's going to be another mirrorverse thing but it's it's more of a sort of multiverse thing than a mirror universe it wasn't sort of evil counterparts as such but you know they are doing a lot of that right now so mm-hmm. you know i i would like a season where it is about them actually discovering things in discovery it would be quite nice if they could uh, actually do that so yeah we'll see where they go for season five but they did a decent job i thought with rounding that off a couple of movies i've watched which i've been meaning to get to for ages the big one being Spider-Man No Way Home, which I finally got round to watching and is as wonderful as everybody said it was going to be. I don't know how spoilery we kind of get here, but I mean, obviously, I think everybody knows at this point that Tom Holland as Peter Parker is not the only Spider-Man in this film. And I thought it was sort of interesting where they left things with that as well, because you've brought everybody together. It got this opportunity for the three movie Spider-Men to meet. And I thought that was great the way that they brought that together. But the entire world's losing the memory of who Peter Parker is sets it up for an interesting direction of what they can do moving forward because it does sort of wipe the slate clean for that character and Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't have to be attached to the Avengers anymore and I'm really interested to see where they go with it because they are doing more films as they've said I don't think we need a sort of big multiverse thing again but you know much as I enjoyed seeing the other Spider-Men they've done that once so we don't know what's going to happen with the multiverse of madness of course that movie may change the entire landscape of the MCU again but in terms of where they left things with this I think that sets it up with Peter potentially going off to be the photographer for the Bugle, which is, I think, probably the direction they may be going in and having to sort of re-meet MJ and all that sort of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it, though. I mean, it is a fun 
movie it's well directed the story sits together well there's lots of great gags in there it was wonderful seeing all those villains in kind of one place it's a sort of nice rounding off to that little sort of trilogy of things and gives them a clean slate to move forward with as well but i'm really interested to see what they do with it and whether you do get some sort of introduction of other versions of maybe norman osborn possibly moving forward or you know whether we're going to see any more of that or i don't know it's it's sort of interesting you've seen this i have indeed i loved it i did love the running time yeah <laughs> i did some serious internal damage i've listened down about but yeah it was great it was a packed cinema it was reasonably quiet which is always nice for cinema got lots of claps we had the first cameo and then obviously much more claps when you know the main cameo started popping up yeah um so it was a lot of fun i like i like how they left it it makes for a very different piece of them we've seen because this one has always been very sort of it's always been fairly light-hearted it's such a huge change to what he is yeah because obviously he's very much centered by the people who are around him yeah that's the interesting thing with this because it where they move forward with it it's taken all that support away from him which is yeah. a very different version of peter that you're left with although i'll arguably possibly a person that is closer to the comic book version or some of the comic book versions in places mm-hmm. absolutely and it was sort of interesting having the conversation between the three of them where of course the other two had lost uncle ben and mm-hmm. peter hadn't been through that so that was a sort of interesting thing and where it leaves this version of peter at the end of the film i'm really intrigued to see where they move forward with it because it, it does set this version of tom holland's peter parker on a slightly different path to where he'd been before or just been this kind of kid that had lost tony stark maybe which is probably the closest thing he'd had to a father figure at that point but mm. that still hadn't affected him as much as maybe has affected the other spider-men when they had lost somebody close to them so it's just sort of interesting where they've left this so i'm really intrigued to see what they announce next for this version of peter the other thing i watched was also a disney related film it was turning red which is a pixar movie based around a 13 year old chinese canadian girl who lives in toronto she is very much sort of a product of her rather overbearing mother who likes having out and having fun with a friend she's very much her own person obsessed with this boy band called four town and just your average 13 year old girl but they run this temple which is dedicated to these red panda gods and she has to rush home and try and help out her mother but she enjoys it you know she enjoys spending time with her mum and being the good dutiful daughter and then one night she blows her stack over something that goes wrong and it turns out that when she has extreme emotional reactions to something she suddenly starts to turn into a giant red panda herself and it turns out that there's this curse slash gift that is sort of given to the family and it's triggered by a major sort of emotional reaction so of course that leads to sort of any crush on boys can potentially set it off or she just gets angry at something so it's the sort of analogy for being a teenager and losing control of your emotions and becoming this sort of big hairy monster that is a pain to be around and that sort of stuff so um, I thought it was beautifully done it does what Pixar movies do so well in taking an idea 
and using an interesting fun analogy for it to be able to express it on screen and things like Inside Out were a wonderful example of this I don't think it's up there with Inside Out I think that's a wonderful wonderful film but it's still a really solid well put together well directed interesting way of of introducing those concepts to maybe a younger audience and getting them to sort of understand those transitions and stuff but yeah I, I thought it was really good have you seen this? No I haven't seen it yet it's one definitely worth taking a look at it's got uh, Sandro does the voice of the overbearing mother there are a few names in the cast that you might recognise but um, yeah it, it's uh, up on Disney Plus right now and um, I'm, I'm trying to work through some of the other Disney movies that I haven't got around to watching at, like Encanto is the other one that I haven't actually seen yet but um, and everybody tells me that's great so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some TV and film news <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Only a couple of renewals and cancellations. One of them not really affecting the UK particularly, but I thought we should mention it because it is quite a big thing. Maury, which is the talk show, which I'm sure you will have seen memes and stuff made from the Maury talk show. Yeah, and I mean, I've watched it, so I'm sure it aired over here for a bit. It was a syndicated talk show. It was renowned for people taking paternity tests on it. That was probably one of the big things they did. It's been on air for three decades, and uh, they well, he says it's been cancelled. Although he has said he's retiring, so you know, after thirty years on air, fair enough. I'm sure he's he feels like he's done enough there. So um, that is ending after thirty years on air. The other one was New Amsterdam, which yes, probably is cancelled, but coming to an end with I think it's a shortened thirteen episode. I think final fifth season. We've still got season four to go out over here, so we'll have two more seasons to go over here. But that's coming to an end which I'm very sad about because that's a really solid, decent medical drama that and I think does really, really well and is interesting. The characters are fun. I've interviewed the cast for that and they're just wonderfully fun to be around. So um, I am a bit sad to see that ending, but at least it's going out with a final season and not just getting cancelled and shelved. Renewals, Abbott Elementary, which hasn't got a broadcaster over here yet, although it is an ABC show, so I imagine it'll turn up on Disney Plus at some point but that's been renewed for a second season so that will be returning Um, that's been getting quite decent reviews I seem to remember for that there are a huge amount of pickups and other pieces this week as well the big one being on Disney Plus NCIS, the main show which has been missing since Disney took Fox off air, is returning for its 19th season on Wednesday the 6th of April. It was like October last year where they said 
said, hey, we've got the next season of NCIS, and then said nothing until last week. (laughs) So it was a random one for them to buy because it's a CBS show, isn't it? So that's a buy-in for them. That's not, it's not like an ABC show. So for some reason, they decided to buy it. But NCIS season 19, Wednesday, the 6th of April on Disney+. Plus. I think the first three episodes are going out at once and then it's airing weekly, which is mildly annoying because the entire thing will have gone out in the US by the time they start to do that. But that's how they've said they're going to do it. So we're stuck with it. But uh, Are they making other seasons available? Yes. All previous 18 seasons will also be Oh, on. that's quite good. I might have to watch a few old ones. Yeah. So if you want to go back and start from the beginning, there are 18 seasons of NCIS you could go through. But 19th season will be landing on the 6th of April. I, th- I think that's the same day they're dropping all the other 18 seasons on there as well. Raised by Wolves has got an air date as well. That's also the 6th of April. That's going to be on Sky Atlantic and now that's for the second season of that sci-fi drama. Quite enjoyed the first season of that, but it, it seems such a long time ago at this point. But uh, yes, that is back for its second season. So I'm looking forward to that. A couple of new shows popping up on Netflix. One of them is called Hard Sell. This is a documentary-style comedy set in a fictional female prison, and it's got Catherine Tate in it, who I think also wrote it, and she plays multiple characters. So it's sort of a Catherine Tate sketch show but set in a prison with her playing the governess, Big Viv, who is a psychopathic lifer, various other characters. There's like five or six characters. She plays one of the guards and other people in the prison. Are there other people? Yes. Okay. It's not just her. There are other cast members as well. It's set over a six-week period during which the inmates rehearse a musical directed by ex-EastEnders star Cheryl Ferguson, apparently. So uh, the rehearsal draws together an oddball collection of women as they find their voices growing confidence and strengthen their friendships so it's sort of a documentary a mockumentary series about that with Catherine Tate playing a bunch of the characters essentially so if you're a Catherine Tate fan going to be one to watch but that's called Hard Sell it's on Tuesday the 12th of April on Netflix that is landing if you want to check that one out the other one is uh, Heartstopper which I think we mentioned a couple of times before this is actually a comic book adaptation but it's coming on Friday the 22nd of April on Netflix when gentle Charlie and rugby loving Nick meet in secondary school they quickly discover that their unlikely friendship has blossomed into an unexpected romance Charlie, Nick and their circle of friends must navigate the everly relatable journey of self-discovery and acceptance supporting each other as they learn to find their most authentic selves. I'm sure if you're a fan of things like Love, Victor and those sort of shows, this will be very much in that sort of vein. It does look really sweet. There is a trailer up on the website if you want to go and check that out. But uh, yes, that's called Heartstopper and that's on the 22nd of April on Netflix. More advanced air dates, Dollface returns for its second season on Disney+. Plus. That's on the 27th of April, that landing. I loved the first series of this. It was wonderfully strange. Oh, I haven't seen it. I do know that Shane Michelle stars in it alongside, I forget who the main stars it, Cat. Cat Dennings. Yes, it's the main start. Kat Dennings, Brenda Swan, Shay Mitchell, Esther Povitsky are the main. And then there's various other people. Lily Singh pops up in the um, oh. second season. 
second season. Goran Viznic was in the first season. I don't know whether he was around in the second season, but yes, there's a few kind of interesting names pop up in that, but it's, it's wonderfully strange. It's fun, but it also has some weird, odd elements in it. Like, it's basically about a girl that her relationship breaks up and she has to sort of reconnect with her female friends who she kind of abandoned while she was in this relationship. But there is also this kind of imaginary world that she has where she, there is a talking cat lady in there who has an actual cat head for a face and it gets you know so there's some weird kind of imaginary stuff that goes on in there as well there's a sort of Ali McBeal vibe to it if you're old enough to remember that show you know with the dancing baby yeah. mm-hmm. there's this it's got that sort of most of the show is in reality but there are odd weird little bits in it like that that's wonderful though that, but that's Dollface that's back for a second season that's on the 27th of April The Flight Attendant returns for its second season we haven't got an exact date for this but it's dropping in May on Sky Max in the UK and uh, it'll be on now as well uh, the first season of this was brilliant and just wonderfully wonderfully fun the second season is uh, pretty much a straight continuation of where we left things at the end of the first one because obviously the first one was about her Kelly Clark wakes up in bed next to a dead guy and she's obviously the flight attendant in this and all the fallout from that and what happens that's sort of resolved but it continues where we left things at the end of the season without spoiling anything for anybody continues on for that so um, really looking forward to that because the first season was absolutely brilliant the time traveller's wife they've also announced is coming to Sky Atlantic in May this is a new series adaptation stars Rose Leslie and Theo James in the two leading roles as the titular wife and time traveller and uh it's Stephen Moffat that has written it who has some experience with time travellers having done Doctor Who but very much seems like it's written with his sort of sense of humour to it from the trailer that they've put up they released a trailer for it so that's up on the website it looks really good I like the uh, lead actors in it I love Stephen Moffat when he's writing these sort of romantic comedy things and has a time travel element to it I mean seems absolutely perfect for Stephen Moffat they did a film didn't they of this although I don't I believe they did yeah I don't I've never actually seen it but uh, this looks like it's gonna be a really nice mix of the sort of lighter comedy romantic comedy stuff as well as being you know a little bit more serious in places i i I think it's going to be a really nice balance that but the trailer looks really good so uh, that's coming in may to sky atlantic but doesn't have an exact date borgian which is the scandinavian series that has got a continuation series it's called borgian power and glory that's starting on the 2nd of june worldwide on netflix i think it's it's launching slightly earlier if you're in a scandinavian country presumably it gives them a little bit more time to do the dubbing work i guess i do otherwise i can't i don't know why they're not lodging it together but i guess that's the reason but uh bush and power and glory that's called it's a direct continuation from i think it was three seasons three or four seasons they did of the original show it is a direct continuation of that most a lot of the same cast are in there including the main lead roles thursday 2nd of june that is launching on netflix worldwide and then we've got a date for miss marvel that has landed as well that's going to be the next Marvel series after Moon Knight which mm-hmm. uh, launches on the 30th of March Miss Marvel is landing on Wednesday the 8th of June that's when that'll land so not a huge gap between the two because sort of a month in between maybe between one launching and the other yeah. so they've got that and then we've got uh, another Netflix series 
Now, I'm pretty sure this is probably going to be terrible. My gut feeling about this, because they've not released any images or trailer for it or anything yet. But Resident Evil, it's a live action series. It's starting on the 14th of July. Yeah, but Netflix, we all know that Netflix doesn't believe in advertising for whatever reason. Yes, I guess that is true. And I guess they can probably think they can sell it on the name, possibly. But usually when they make the initial announcement, you get at least like here's a first look image or something and would not even have that so the year is 2036 14 years after a deadly virus caused a global apocalypse Jade Wesker fights for survival in a world overrun by the bloodthirsty infected and insane creatures in this absolute carnage Jade is haunted by her past in New Raccoon City by her father's chilling connection to the Umbrella Corporation but mostly what happened to her sister Billy it's an 8 episode series stars Lance Reddy who was in uh, Bosch American Horror Story and a bunch of other things as Albert of Wesker. Uh, he's playing Albert Wesker, the father. Are there any other names you know in there? I don't know any of them. Well, Ella Belinska, she's in Charlie's Angels. Ah, there you go. Adeline Rudolph, yeah, I remember her because she's in Killing Events and Sabrina and she's um, a pop-up for a couple of episodes in Riverdale. Yeah. And uh, those are the ones that I... In- immediately recognised. Uh, Turlo Curvy is in there. He was in Killing Eve and Poldark. Senna Adungong, who was in No Good Nick. I think she played Nick in No Good Nick, which was the Netflix series. Tamara mm-hmm. Smart from The Worst Witch. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few people there that people may recognise. I don't hold a huge amount of hope <laughs> out for that series, in all honesty, but Would we'll it be better see. than the movie? Well, I don't know. I mean, the movies were kind of fun, if silly, but... Well, no, I meant, I meant the new movie that certainly popped out with um, what's his name from The Flash I don't know and Kaya Scodelario as well who knows it doesn't seem to have any connection to any of the other Resident Evil stuff that's been released so we'll see but that's the live action series they have got an animated series which I think has already gone out but that's the yeah. live action series which comes on the 14th of July for that a couple of other little bits and pieces there is apparently a True Detective season 4 in the works at HBO Barry Jenkins who was the guy that did the Underground Railroad is serving as exec producer on the fourth season Nick Palazzo who was the guy that co-wrote every episode of the original three seasons is not currently attached at all for season 4 I don't know about it yeah, so if you're a fan of the first three seasons, which I know were kind of a bit uneven, um, first season was brilliant, <laughs> second season words like... Bleh. The fourth season is apparently True Detective Night Country. That's the title it's going under at the moment. I don't know. I mean, Barry Jenkins is great. He's an Oscar winner as well. Mm-hmm. So not a bad name to have attached to it, but yeah. I don't know. And they are anthology things, so you can jump into them from season to season, I guess. But sure. It's an interesting premise. Yes. I watched the first one and I really really enjoyed the first season the second one got absolutely panned the third one got kind of middling reviews i seem to remember so um, yeah i watched the first didn't make it all the way for the second and definitely didn't watch the third so yeah i think the second sort of put a lot of people off so i don't know but they are making a fourth season of that with a different guy in charge so we'll see and the other big news that dropped this week was um, Amazon's acquisition of MGM, which we've been talking about for a while, has actually gone through. That is now a done deal. They paid a squillion dollars for it or whatever it was. It was like some stupid billions for it they paid. 
The good news so far, anyway, is they did what they call a town hall. So they did a meeting between Amazon and MGM people. They did say that there are no redundancies at the moment. There's some restructuring in terms of who and what company is going to report to who or what other company. There's obviously that going on as they sort of integrate things. But they've said they're trying to avoid redundancies and they've certainly not announced any mass redundancies at this point. So that's good news. MGM, of course, are the people that control things like Rocky, Legally Blonde, the Pink Panther films, TV shows like Handmaid's Tale, Fargo, Vikings, Stargate as well, of course, which has a lot of people quite hopeful that maybe they will actually do something to reboot the Stargate franchise, possibly. Maybe, maybe. Which would be nice, you know. It would be great uh, if they do it right, of course. Yeah, I mean, the Stargate Universe was a... Was it Stargate Universe, the last... There was a one that came after that. The, oh, yeah, but we don't talk about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was very funny, though. We're talking about when I saw the some of the Stargate guys were up on stage at Wales Comic Con and uh, it's very funny when you get to that point in the interview they were like talking about the shows and somebody, I think somebody shouted it out or somebody mentioned it on stage and they were like Shh, we don't talk about that but uh, Stargate Universe I thought was a really great show and um, it was such a shame that they bottled it and decided they weren't going to carry it on I would like to see a TV thing come back for Stargate not necessarily the same cast you could have them come in and guest and do bits and pieces but I'd be happy if they did you no, know I- I would like, I'm, no, I want a new story. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy with a new team. I don't necessarily want a complete reboot. I'm happy if it's connected to the SG-1 kind of universe, TV universe. Yeah. But you've years on now. You could bring back one or two people if you wanted. But, you know, I'd, I'd be okay with a new main team and, you know, a new show and a new story and something kind of different and let them move on with it. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see some of the older faces back, obviously. But I just want them to do something with that universe because it was such a fun world to be in i think they did such a wonderful job with it so uh don't know they've not announced anything yet but we'll we'll see whether anything comes out of that that's i think what most people are hoping for in our sort of genre world is something new for stargate bond is of course the other big thing with mgm but the thing with bond is mgm share the rights with eon productions which is the company that is owned by the broccoli family and the broccoli family rule bond with an iron fist so they basically have control over everything from the casting decisions to the distribution. So although Amazon have bought this, you're not going to suddenly see a James Bond TV series because the Broccoli family will veto it. It's one of those things that, yes, technically Bond is now owned by Amazon, but not really. It's different paymasters in there, but essentially yeah. it's going to be carrying on with the Broccoli family in charge of it. So um, mm-hmm. Amazon don't get any direct control. They just get some of the money out of it. That's basically it. Moving on to some other news stories. One of the things that dropped today was the fact that they've uh, just cast the young Winchesters for the Winchesters pilot, which is this prequel thing that they're doing as a spin-off for Supernatural. The idea of behind this is it follows John and Mary who are Sam and Dean's parents and it's the epic untold love story of how John and Mary met and how they put it all on the line not only to save their love but to save the entire world the two people that they've cast is uh, Meg Donnelly who's going to be playing Mary Campbell who at 19 years old has been fighting the forces of darkness since she was a child after losing someone close to her the hardened hunter considered quitting the family business until her father's disappearance and the arrival of newcomer John Winter forces her to lead a new team so that's 
Mary and then Drake Roger is playing John Winchester who's a very good looking chap uh, and uh, he recently returned from Vietnam and is the selfless and clear-headed John finds a new mission back home where traces of his father's past lead him to a secret organisation and a whole new war as a hunter. I don't know how much that's just rewritten the history of Supernatural. Well it got rewritten like during the show because they did change it to make his father man of letters Yes. Remember. But before then, he wasn't anything at all. And he didn't find out about her hunting until quite late on. But hey, never mind. Yes. So I I think they have done some rewriting of the history there. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Out of the two leads, Meg Donnelly is probably best known for American Housewife. That was the show that she's in. She's also apparently going to be next seen in the ridiculously titled High School Musical, the musical, the series. Excellently (laughs) titled. High School Musical, the musical, the series, isn't it got another subtitle on it now? Isn't it like uh, the the camp or something? The, I don't, I don't know. I, I it's it's an excellent, that's an excellent title. Yes. So that uh, she's also involved in the Disney Channel original movies, Zombies, as well, which uh, she stars and serves as a producer in those. So she's been in that. Drake Rogers, he's last seen in Paramount, The In Between, and there's a film called Quiet in My Town. I don't know him at all, but uh, you look. Take one look at him and he's basically... No, I, I, I've got the deadline up and I can see, yeah, yeah, very good looking guy. Very much picked for his looks, I think. that guy. I mean, I'm sure he can act as well, but very much picked because he looks a little bit like a cross between Jensen Eccles and Jeffrey D. Morgan. So, yes, I mean, visually, definitely. Well, that's, well, that's good casting. Yeah, visually done casting and I'm assuming the guy can act. So, you know, fair enough. We don't know whether this is going to go anywhere. It is only a pilot for the CW right now. We'll have to wait and see whether they actually decide to pick it up because they've always... Mm -hmm. I mean, they've done pilots for Supernatural before. This is, what, the fourth one they've tried? Third one. Uh, but this is this is the first time I've actually, it's actually been a pilot. Yes, yeah. The uh, other ones have been backdoors. Yeah, the last, the last two were backdoor pilots. And the one thing that this does have going for it is it is Jensen Eccles and his wife that yep. are behind it, along with Robbie Thompson, who was also part of the Supernatural crew. So Jensen is actually coming back to do the narration for this. Of sort mm-hmm. of he's narrating how his parents met. I think he's got the best child of all of them. Yeah, I, I mean, this maybe... I mean, whilst it was on air, they always said, ah, well, it doesn't really work without the boys. But I think maybe at this point, there's been a little bit of breathing room between the two. Maybe, maybe this will work, but we'll see. Uh, We'll we'll let you know if that gets picked up. We should know by May whether that's going to go anywhere, I would think. Moving on to other news, this was a weird one. There is apparently a YouTube biopic in the works at Netflix from J.J. Abrahams. And... (laughs) It, it's. I think okay. The JJ Abraham's part is weird, but the YouTube biopic at Netflix—that's not weird at all. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess a biopic on YouTube isn't that odd. I, I mean, Bono annoys me, but uh, the band are quite good. <laughs> uh, you know, the music's fine. I just wish Bono <laughs> would shut up sometimes. But it's been penned by the same guy that wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. And I mean, there were issues with Bohemian Rhapsody as well. But uh, he's also Oscar nominated for screenplays for things like The Two Popes, Darkest Hour and The Theory of Everything. So, I mean, he's got a decent person behind it. JJ doing it is maybe a little bit odd. I mean, maybe he's just a big U2 fan, possibly. It's inspired by... Yeah, but is, by, it, is it JJ or is it just Bad Robot? And it makes metal title to say J.J. Abrams. Yeah, well, that is true as well, of course. It depends how, whether he's actually involved directing it or 
whatever. But yeah, it's Bad Robot apparently that are involved in doing it. I mean, we'll see whether that comes to anything. But uh, apparently, they, they, that came from Deadline that article, and apparently Netflix and Bad Robot have declined to comment. So who knows? On to some uh, casting news, though. Mandalorian have added Christopher Lloyd to season three. We don't know what he's playing, but in my book, you add Christopher Lloyd to anything, it makes it better because Christopher Lloyd is absolutely wonderful. So I'm fine with this. Whether it's something that is attached to Grogu or whether he's going to be under a whole bunch of makeup. I mean, they had Nick Nolte, of course, in there who provided the voice for the Ugnaught. We've had Carl Weathers, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, of course, played Moth Gideon. So they've had some like decent, respectable actors in roles on Mandalorian. I'm very interested to see what Christopher Lloyd ends up playing in this mm-hmm. and whether it ends up being a sort of on-screen role or whether he's just doing a voice or what. But um, he's apparently popping up in... Mandalorian season three. I have a, a cousin who works in finance for film and TV production. And uh, she said she met Christopher Lloyd once and said, if you could bottle Christopher Lloyd and sell it, you make a fortune because he is the most delightful human you'll ever meet, <laughs> which is lovely to hear about people. Because sometimes you hear these stories about people and it's like they, they come across wonderful on screen and they're awful. But uh, apparently Christopher Lloyd is an absolute delight. So uh, yes, I think he's brilliant. I'm very happy that uh, he's joining Mandalorian. And the last last new story we've got for this week is about Star Trek Strange New Worlds and it was an interesting bit of casting that popped up Paul Wesley who people will know from Vampire Diaries I'm sure has been cast as Captain Kirk in season two of Strange New Worlds which is interesting Strange New Worlds obviously we know about the TV show supposed to be following the Enterprise under the captaincy of Christopher Pike mm-hmm. uh, and that is the basic premise of it it's sort of the Pike years on the Enterprise prize and it's the people that we've seen before uh, ethan peck as spark and rebecca rumjin as um number one and you know all that stuff so great you know we're gonna have this sort of strange new world series and they've now announced that kirk is going to show up in the second season and the reaction online has been intriguing as well because <laughs> whilst <laughs> no, nobody seems I, I don't think people seems to have a huge problem as far as i can see they don't have that much of a problem with the casting of Paul Wesley as Kirk. I mean, I can see that. I think it works. And oh, I've, I've seen a lot of blowback for, for the uh, casting. Have, have you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, no, I mean, I, I can see that. I, I think, no, I think it's excellent casting. Yeah. I think people just need to chill because, yeah. yeah, Vampire Diaries may not be for everyone's taste, but he held down a show where, let's be honest, not every lead manages to do it. Yes. Um, and some stop halfway through, so. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I've only ever heard sort of good things about him. He always seems to be like in the interviews and stuff seems to be pretty good and the rest of the cast say reads to be nice things about him yeah and i've seen the pictures of the new update uniform and i'm like yeah he does look like this could work yeah obviously the choice that's a different thing entirely yeah that's, i mean that's it's, it's odd but then i you think of it and i think to myself well as we're seeing in picard right now they do like to shake things up yeah this is the sort of interesting thing obviously there's two at the moment there are two main timelines there is the main established timeline which Mm -hmm. you know everything stems through the original series and there is the kelvin timeline which is what they play around with with the movies with the chris pines version of kirk in there and that's a whole different thing in the established main timeline at the moment kirk only meets pike 
once. And that's literally when he's handed over the keys to the Enterprise. That's the first time he meets him. And then he meets him slightly later on. There is an episode where, you know, I mean, if you know what happens to Pike, the visions that he saw at the end of Discovery come true and he ends up in this sort of wheelchair thing. And they do, I think, meet at that point as well. But the first time that the two of them actually meet is when he gets the keys to the Enterprise and takes over as captain of the Enterprise. So part of this is it has some people slightly worried that we're going to get one season of Pike and then they can get rid of him and they're going to stick Kirk in. But you oh, see, I, 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 I can't see that working either because the problem is that if you do that, Kirk had like a five-year mission and I guess the TV show was somewhere near the start of that five-year mission. So you'd be basically repeating the original series. So that doesn't work either. So yeah, I, I, I don't I think know. They're just changing it. Kurt wasn't a captain before. That was his no, first captain. That's story. that's the other thing. In the publicity yeah. shots that they've released, yeah, he, um, he's, he's, wearing got, he, he's wearing the captain's uniform. It's clearly a captain's uniform because you can tell by the stripes on his arm. So that's the other interesting thing is he's, he's in a captain's chair as a captain and he isn't in the current timeline he doesn't become captain until he takes over the Enterprise either he has served on other ships before then so there are things like the Farragut which he served on which had this sort of big disaster we don't know in what capacity he's showing up either so we don't know whether this is some sort of timey-wimey stuff it could be a flash forward it could be some sort of out universe thing it could be that the events of picard have maybe altered when that season plays out it maybe have nudged some things around in the history possibly maybe that's where that sort of has an effect because obviously that involves time travel and maybe it doesn't completely recess everything back properly maybe Mm. that's where they're going with it but yeah i don't know i know that was the thing more so than the actual physical casting of him that was the thing that seemed to set people off as far as i could tell but yeah i mean i'm sure there was backlash against him because there were people that are going to be like william shatner's the only kirk but i mean i'm fine with them casting him i think he's a great fit but how they're going to actually introduce him as a captain in that part of the timeline that i'm kind of interested in because at the moment i mean there are literally printed bibles that you can go out and buy of the history timeline of star trek and if they're about to make all that wrong that's going to upset quite a lot of people as well so welcome to what star wars fans went through where this is yes that is very true we'll have to wait and see for that um strange new worlds of course i think as we mentioned last week or the week before uh, due to start streaming on the 5th of may it's on paramount plus in the u.s we don't have paramount plus and might not have paramount plus over here by then so as to where it's going to launch over here we don't know whether they delay it until they do launch paramount plus that's a possibility whether they put it out on pluto tv thing like they did with discovery whether you know whether it ends up somewhere else don't know at the moment my guess is they may hold it until they launch paramount plus which would suck but that could be what they end up doing Mm. but as for the kurt thing we'll have to wait and see so that's all the news we've got for this week just a few highlights for next week on tv Highlights for next week. We have 
Parallels, which is a French sci-fi series coming onto Disney Plus. It's a Disney original. It's about four friends whose lives are turned upside down when a mysterious event scatters the group into different timelines. There's a trailer actually up for this. Um, it's you can watch it. I presumably with subtitles or dubbed, but the trailers dubbed seem to be doing a reasonable job with it, and it does look quite interesting if you're into mm. sort of sci-fi things. That's 23rd of March on Disney Plus. It reminds me of the Nowhere Boys, right? Yeah, which was an Australian show about these four, I think it's four friends who go out on a school ship and through strange shenanigans manage to write themselves out of history. Oh, right. um, and so then obviously they're now trying to sort of figure things out. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, this is called Parallels and uh, that's 23rd of March on Disney Plus if you want to check that out. Not going out the Lee Max series that returns for the 12th season that's on BBC One. That's on 25th of March at 9.30 on BBC One. Bridge Attorney's back for its second season that's also on the 25th of march that is of course on netflix and the oscars are this week it's actually going out on sky showcase so you can watch it if you've got sky that's the um 94th academy awards starts at midnight on the 27th of march and uh, then runs through for the next like four hours or something that's the oscars and The Flash finally lands in the UK, opening with the Armageddon Not a Crossover event. And uh, that's coming to Sky Max on the 29th of March at 8 pm on Sky Max. And uh, Legends is later in the week, but we'll talk about that next week. But 29th of March for The Flash season eight. Uh, they do a pretty good job with that crossover. I caught it while I was in America, so worth watching, definitely. That's all the highlights for next week. If people want to find more of your stuff, where can they find you, Daryl? So you can head over to hollywoodnorthnews.net and they can see what's up right now, which is my interview with Uncle Darcy, as I mentioned before, and some of the news about Hallmark shows and Hallmark star signing new deals and such. So just head over there or head over to our YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram. Yep, so go and check out all Daryl's stuff over there. For other people involved in the show, you can, of course, find Bex on Twitch.com tv forward slash trista bytes that's b-y-t-e-s lots of streams up on there daily and various evenings i think she's still playing tomb failure over there where you can watch her fall off things also generally kind of injure herself in real life when she does her just chatting streams because she usually manages to smack herself in the head with something you can go and find her over on there they're usually quite fun to go and watch but that's twitch.tv forward slash trista bytes and uh, matt you can go and find over at entertainmenttalk.org for lots more podcasts over there and of course we are doing the walking dead uk podcast which goes out on wednesdays over there for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week Bye-bye. bye bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.